He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. eyes unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name is charlie you may know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer c.e dorset but i'm here today to continue what we started yesterday i actually didn't think yesterday when we started going through the sermon on the mount that i would go continue going through it i thought i might i think i mentioned that at one point in the episode, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized the Sermon on the Mount is the foundation of Christianity. And as a proud practitioner of creation spirituality, it is in so many ways the counterpoint or the new Mount Sinai, where Moses went up onto the mountain and delivered the Ten Commandments to the people in in his covenant. In so many ways, the Sermon on the Mount is the covenant that Jesus makes with his followers and with the world. And I thought if we're going to continue having these conversations, we should go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount and really dig in to what's being said here and what we can glean from it. So we're continuing in Matthew chapter 5, if you want to get a Bible out, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its flavor, what will it be salted with? It is then good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden underfoot. For anyone out there listening who attended um, Sunday school as a kid, these words are probably familiar to you. And in our modern world, we have lost connection to salt and what salt means and what salt meant to the people that Jesus was talking to. Because we have refrigerators now. They didn't. The way they kept things fresh-ish was to salt them, to salt them, smoke them, dry them out, and that would help preserve them so they would last longer. And if they didn't do those things, they would rot and they would lose them. And since, you know, for most of the year, you are either growing or living off the food that you've grown, what you have harvested has to last through the hard times. And that is what Jesus is talking about here. You, meaning us, the faithful, the believers, we are the salt of the earth. But if a salt but if the salt has lost its flavor, what will it be salted with? It is then good for nothing but to be trodden underfoot. Hmm. 
good for nothing but to be trodden under the feet of men. So we are to keep our saltiness. Now that doesn't mean what I th I've actually heard some modern day preachers mean that, well, you need to be salty, you know, just be kind of rough and rude and crude and mean and vicious and cruel. Cause we've already covered that in the Beatitudes. We're supposed to be, you know, humble and peacemakers and all those sort of things. So what does this mean? Now, for me, for a very long time, and you're going to notice that a lot of my faith comes through Judaism, and I, I should be very honest here, I've never been a Jew, I was not raised Jewish, but when I went through a crisis of faith when I was a younger, it was a Jewish friend of mine who took me to his rabbi, and his rabbi is the one who helped me through a lot of the issues that I was having with my faith and kind of gave me a sense of the world. And I actually contemplated converting to Judaism for quite some time, but um, I, I, I really have a strong devotion to Jesus and felt that a lot of the Messianic Judaism, you know, Messianic Judi Jewish communities were fairly anti-Semitic in that they are longing for the death of every Jew that's not them in the, some conflagration at the end of time. And that just didn't seem right to me. But I have spent a lot of my life studying Judaism. And the reason I go on, I, I just felt like I should, you know, put that out there. There is a concept in Judaism of the Zedekim um, Nistarim, and my, my Hebrew is terrible. It, it, it's functional, but terrible. So I apologize for the uh, pronunciation of any of these words. Um, it basically means the hidden righteous. Or when you are dealing with... Or, or it's, sometimes they're called the uh, Lamed Vav. Or the uh, Lamed Vavs, Vav Zedekim. The uh, 36 righteous ones. This goes back to the Torah. This I, there's this beautiful idea in um, I'm sorry I said Torah in the Talmud. There's this beautiful idea in the Talmud that God has hidden 36 righteous people in the world, and it is their righteousness that upholds the world. That if they were taken out of the world, the world would collapse into utter chaos. And the beautiful thing about them is no one knows who these 36 righteous are. And they don't know who they are. And so there is this encouragement to live your life as if you were one of the 36 um, righteous people whose faith and judgment upholds the world. This is a really interesting and kind of a fun idea. And I think it goes directly to what Jesus is talking about here with you are the salt of the earth. You are the preservers of the earth. And I think he means this on multiple levels that we are here to keep the world from collapsing into utter darkness, if at all possible. So we stand up against totalitarianism and authoritarianism in all of its forms. 
we see the work of great people of faith like Dr. King, who stood up against the capitalist powers that were trying to rob the various unions that he gave speeches to, to the Jim Crow era laws that were pushing segregation against a large portion of our population because of stupid ideas of race and color. This is one way in which we preserve the world. And we can see people of faith doing these sorts of actions throughout time and history and throughout the world. But I think there's something even more simple about this idea. You know, when I think of my Aunt Joyce, who has gone to be with the Lord, she, to me, was one of these 36. And I I almost mean that, like, superstitiously. Like, I, I really came to believe that she was one of the people who might have a part in this. Because, at least with me, at least in my life, and I can't speak to how others related to her, but in my life, she was always this voice of faith and this voice of reason and joy. And anytime I was having a hard time, she would just call out of the blue or she would send me a card out of the blue or I would just run into her in town. And she just knew what to say to make me smile. She just knew what to do to make me have a better day than I had been having before. And it's such an impressive gift. Like, it's, it's almost magical how, how good she was at this. And I, I did get to talk to her about it once, and she had no idea. She, she really had no idea. You know, she would just be in a store, like when I lived in California, she would just be in a store and she'd be walking by the card aisle and just think to herself, I should get him a card. And she would. And that card would arrive on a day when I was having a really bad day and it would just bring a smile to my face when I really needed a smile. Salt preserves. And not in a stodgy way. See, I think some Christians take this to be very literal, that their job is to preserve traditions that have always been here and will always be here, forgetting that one of the great truths of life is that everything is impermanent. A lot of the things that we think have always been that way have not always been that way. I mean, the Christian church performed same-sex weddings up until the 800s, 8900s. And it really wasn't until Justinian had a dream that gay people being with each other caused earthquakes that the church really turned really hard against gay people because an emperor had a weird dream. Prior to that, the church refused to perform weddings. The church didn't really get into the wedding job till between the 4th and the 6th century because, well, they believed, like Paul, that the world was ending imminently and we shouldn't be 
marrying and giving in marriage, that that wasn't a thing that we should do. We should be preparing for the end of days. And they were still very much operating in an apocalyptic mode. So they refused to actually perform marriages. So it's not always been one way. The church has both, in its history, been abolitionist, and then it kind of supported slavery for a while, and then it became abolitionist again. The the church was against monarchies, and then supported monarchies, and then opposed monarchies again. The only constant in this world is change. And as salt, as a preservative factor, our, our challenge is not to keep things the way they are or the way that they have always been, but to keep everything bending towards justice. You see, that's how the salt loses its flavor. When you forget that basic admonition from God in Malachi, it's one of the reasons why I say it in probably every episode, and I say it almost every day, because it's the most succinct answer to what we are here in this world to do. What do I ask of you, O mortals, but that you love kindness, do justice, and walk humbly before your God? These are the three things we are asked to do. Many forget to love kindness, to to practice compassion, to truly do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It, it's astonishing to me how many people who call themselves Christian forget to do, to do that basic thing. And then the do justice. Justice is what's right. Justice is looking at the evidence. Work out for yourself, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, Paul tells us. See, Paul wasn't telling us to rely exclusively on the letters that he was writing. We, we are meant to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We, we are to look at what we are doing and to have a living faith. As James, the brother of the Lord, said, faith without works is dead. One of, one of you will say to me, look at my faith. And I will say, look at my works and I will show you my faith. Faith without works is dead. And we have to do justice. What does that mean? That means we don't hold a grudge, and that's that that can be really hard sometimes. But we learn to let go, we learn to forgive, we learn when justice has been meted out and to accept it. That that can really be a hard thing to do. We treat people the way we would like to be treated. In other words, we do kindness. We show them compassion. We have compassion in everything we do. The word compassion in English is such a powerful word. It means to suffer with. And when you look at somebody who's suffering, and in your heart of hearts you share in their suffering, then you realize that you have to help them. We remember what Jesus told us to do. We are here to liberate the captive, to bring relief to the suffering, sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
This is the mission that Jesus was in this world to do. And this is the mission that we are in this world to do. When we see anyone in bondage, we should try to liberate them and bring them freedom. We should try to heal them to the best of our ability. This is what it means to be salt in the world. This is also what it means when we continue reading, quoting Jesus here, starting in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket, but on a stand, and it shines to all who are in the house. Even so, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now this is so important. So just as we are to preserve the world, we are to shine light into the world. That's a harder thing to talk about. <laughs> because one, a lot I, I've known so many over the years who have said to me that they believe that this is what they are doing when they attack things that they don't like. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Because notice what he's talking about here is kind of a passive thing. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. See, if the city's on top of a hill, you can see its light from miles around. It, it's not hiding. So that's the first part here, is that we, we should strive to live that just, compassionate, humble life in such a way that our light shines, that others can see it. And don't try to hide it. I, I've known people, and I've often found it funny, who do a lot of really good things in their life and then talk terribly when they're around people because they don't want people to think that they're not cool. And there's a part of my life that when I think back on it, I was kind of that guy. Luckily, I'm not a guy, so I don't have to be that anymore. But this is us living a good life, a life of compassion, a life of justice, a humble life. We should let our light shine before men that they may see your good works. Now, this is the important thing. They should see the good works and then glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, the important thing here to notice is they're not, Christ is not telling us to do things to other people. We are demonstrating, we are to demonstrate through our actions, our faith, those things that we believe in, those things that we stand for. And through those actions, others will see that light. And so, you know, listening to people, trying to comfort people who are suffering, just trying to be a decent person. You know, the, so much of the world has gone beyond decency right now that the bar is actually really low for this. 
you don't have to be a great saint who never does anything wrong and who is out there literally bringing medicines to the far-flung reaches of the planet. In this day and age, just being a decent person is different. It's strange. And when I say decent, that may conjure all kinds of images in your head. So let, let me just take a wee little minute to explain what I'm talking about there. When I say decent, I mean, are you courteous to people? Do you try to be nice? Do you try to be compassionate? You know, decent, civil. Are you yelling at people for the sake of yelling at people? Are you yelling at people just because you have to be right and they have to be wrong? Or your whole world will fall apart and collapse? Because a lot of people are like that now. Yeah. The, the, the actual line for being a light in this world is not as high as it probably once was. But in other ways, it's higher because, you know, we, a lot of the easy things to stand against are gone. And I say easy, I don't mean that they were actually easy, but it, it should have been blindingly obvious to anyone who thinks about it that, oh, slavery was wrong. Slavery should have been abolished. Slavery is a terrible idea. You know, indentured servitude was wrong, too. And I, I actually have some interesting thoughts about this, knowing that I am the descendant of an indentured servant. Because I'd always wondered. Because, you know, from everything I know about our family, our family's never had a great amount of wealth, you know, so how we got to this country. And then I discovered that I'm the descendant of an indentured servant. And that is interesting. That made me start thinking about a lot of things. He was a baker. What was his life like as an indentured servant? I, 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 it's something I can't even fathom. The idea that you're going and you're working every day for someone. And they get to keep everything. Because you're working off your debt. And I'm not trying to compare that to slavery in any way, shape, or form. Slavery was a much harsher, terrible thing. But, you know, my as far as I know, none of my ancestors were slaves. But I do know that I had an ancestor who was an indentured servant. And, you know, I got to read his contract. And all I could think is... What was going through the person of the mind of the person who bought his contract? Did they think that they were being magnanimous? Were were they in some way in their own mind being magnanimous? Because I, I do know that this ancestor of mine ended up marrying the daughter of the man to whom he was indentured. And that is sounds like a story in and of itself. I'd, I'd love to know what happened there, and unfortunately in this life I just probably never will be able to find enough information to find out what happened there. But these were ills that were in the world that should have been blatantly obvious to people that they were wrong. 
But for some reason, a lot of people living in those times didn't see them as wrong. They accepted the traditions that they had inherited. They accepted the world that they lived in. And this is where the, this is why these two are said together. We are to preserve the world. We are to be the salt of the world, but we're also to be the light of the world. Some things don't deserve to be preserved. And those are two institutions, indentured servitude and slavery, that did not deserve to be preserved. Yet some people, in focusing too much on this, we preserve the past, we preserve the past, we preserve the past, lost sight of doing justice. There is no justice in indentured servitude. There is no justice in slavery. But people talked themselves into it. And the reason I wanted to spend some time with that is I think I wonder often probably too often. What are those things in my life that I just take as a given that I just accept because it's been that way my entire life. And I don't know exactly how horrible or unjust or wrong they are because I haven't taken the time to think about it. I'm sure there are things. I'm sure there are things in your life. And these are the questions that should arise from this understanding in us that we are salt and that we are light. And before we get to the end of today's podcast, I, I would like to actually share a spiritual practice with you that I take a lot of meaning from. I, I learned this from Lama Surya Das, and it, it's called the Buddha Light Practice. And it reminds me of this very idea of being the light of the world. And it's something that I do often when I do my meta practice, which we talked about a couple episodes back. And I'll do a brief refresher on here. So the basic idea is that you find a place where you can sit comfortably and be, you know, relatively free from distraction for a little bit. And this is fairly easy of a meditation to do for me because I, I, I like visualizations. But you calm your mind and take a few deep breaths and kind of center yourself. And then you imagine yourself sitting across from either one of the saints or very often when I do this, I, I will think that I'm going to do a saint and it either becomes Mary with her Immaculate Heart or Jesus and his Sacred Heart. It's just the image that wants to be there. And you imagine yourself sitting across from them, and you see the fire burning in, within them, the light burning within them. And that light reaches out to you, and it fills you up. It goes right from their heart into your heart, just whoop, it fills you up. And you feel, feel the light as it grows throughout your own body. And then you think of someone. Someone close to you. 
and you connect the light to them. And you keep doing this, thinking further and further and further away from you. And this could be either in closeness as in actual proximity or closeness as in people that are near and dear to you to people that you normally wouldn't think about. And this is one of the reasons why I like to do this in concert with the meta practice. So just a refresher on that, you know, may I be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May I be filled with joy and the causes of joy. May my family be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May my family be filled with joy and the causes of joy. May my friends be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May my friends be filled with joy and the causes of joy. May the stranger be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May the stranger be filled with joy and the causes of joy. May our enemies be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. May our enemies be filled with joy and the causes of joy. And if those phrases are a little confusing to you, go back a couple episodes. I, I spent a lot of time talking about the meta practice. And if you like, we can actually dedicate an entire episode to it at some point. Just let me know. But in doing this in conjunction with feeling and visualizing that light going out, you, you start to learn your interconnectedness with other people. And in seeing that web in your own mind's eye, it, it helps you to learn how to live in this world. And I've had some profound experiences in doing just that. And so I, I recommend that you try it. Maybe add that to your meta practice. It, it's a beautiful thing to do. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I, I've enjoyed talking with you. I want to say thank you to everybody who has subscribed to the podcast, especially since we just got started over on Anchor. We actually have quite a few people on Anchor listening to us and quite a few people on Spotify. Hi. And then a lot of people that are just in the uh, list as other. <laughs> so I don't know where where you're listening from. But the majority of the listens have come from other. So hi, other. I, I don't know where you are. Um, but thank you so much for listening. If this podcast has been a help to you, please share it with someone you think that it would be a blessing to. That helps the, not only the podcast grow, but helps me <laughs> spread my light to others because I do this because I think that it will help other people. If the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate this particular episode or the podcast in general, please do that. That tells the algorithm that other people should see what I'm doing, and that helps out a lot. And if you have a buck or two that you could throw my way, depending on the app that you're listening to me on, there may be a button that says support on Anchor, or just support. If it doesn't, there'll be a link in the show notes that says support on Anchor. And if you click that, you can support me at the $1, $5, or $10 level. And that really would mean the world to me. Now, that money goes to me because I really would like to make this my full-time job, where I'm not only talking to you all via the podcast, but we can actually build, I can, I, I will have time to build up um, resources for you over at Wisdom's Cry to help with all of this and really make it 
make it my full-time job. And so if you can, and don't feel any pressure, if you can't afford to, to help, please say a prayer for me that, that, that is helping. That helps a lot. I'll take your prayers. Really take your prayers. Um, but if you can afford a buck to help towards that goal, it really would mean the world to me. So thank you if you can. Um, so we'll probably continue this on tomorrow's episode unless something spectacular happens that I feel should be addressed beforehand. Um, until then, may God bless you and keep you, keep you growing in wisdom towards justice and filled with compassion. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.